That's that's where I struggle sometimes with with Oliver and saying, "Hey, I've told you this. I know at least twenty times within the past three days." But when I was a kid, I I can vividly remember like oh, I made that choice again. Why did I do it? I don't even know. We used to be kids. Now we're not. Something happened in between. This is the Broken Youth Club. I got this email today that I thought was really great. Um, and in the email, he like referenced that he had written another email that I hadn't responded to yet. Um, but he had just like had this thought and wanted to email it over. Uh-huh. And I saw that and I was like, well, I know up to this point, I'm like caught up on yeah. emails. So like today I finished catching up. And so I was like, what is he talking about? And I looked through and I don't see his email in the the inbox at all and i checked the spam and his is the only one in there but it says that the spam folder like clears after 30 days and so now i'm like nervous that if somebody has written in mm -hmm. and i didn't respond like they did and they're hearing it just write again and we'll that's a glitch yeah just resend it okay because i've responded to everybody i would never (laughs) just like ghost somebody (laughs) so um so yeah but uh, so I responded to the email that he sent uh, today or yesterday, and then I was like, I'm going to read your other email, and then I'll you know, respond to the rest <laughs> of what I want to say to you there. Uh-huh. And I read this other email, and I thought it was like so heart-wrenching um, and kind of reading through like a lot of his story. I immediately had these thoughts that kind of played into th- feelings that I've had about certain things that you've told me about and kind of my immediate like questions that came from that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I thought we would, I would read his email uh, and then we can just kind of chat about it. Um, This is a fairly long email. It's uh, like five pages once I had it printed out. So Again, I'm going to try really hard not to trip over myself and I uh, hope everybody just straps in because it's a long one, but um, I didn't cut anything out. I think all of it is uh, super relevant to the next thing that happened. So it felt like if I mm. jumped in and a point where I was like, oh, I want to ask Logan about that, it like wouldn't tell the whole story okay. leading up to it, you know? Okay. Um, but to preface the story, um, he wants to stay anonymous uh, and he talks about having a couple of siblings and I want to mention that the the sibling that he talks about the most uh is the middle sibling but I I he refers to them in they them pronouns to keep it anonymous mm-hmm. so I just I don't want it to get confusing when I'm when I mention a specific sibling that we're talking about over and over again in this email Okay. Uh, I'm I'm not talking about both of them. I'm talking about one of them. Okay. Most of the time. Gotcha. Okay. Hey guys, I'm going to want to remain anonymous on this one, but I want to share my story with you. I was the oldest of three in a home where both parents were drug addicts. 
Obviously, it was awful. Most of my memories of my parents, and honestly mainly my father, were of him being enraged by not being able to find his pills, mainly painkillers like Oxy. He'd blame me and the second oldest for hiding them and then beat us. While he was high and out of his mind, I had to watch my siblings. I'd try to feed them and take care of them since my mom was the only one with a job. She would work swing and I wouldn't see her literally all day. When my mom would come home and I would try to tell her things, she would say, quote, Hey, you can't talk about this because if you do, CPS will come and take you away from here, which really fucked with my mind as a kid for a long time. I always felt like I had to hide things, lie, or exaggerate because of the fear that was instilled in me that I'd be taken away. For the longest time, I remember that all I really wanted was to feel like I was normal. To offset the insanity of my life, I would make up outrageous claims or stories. I really got into writing and video games during this time because it became the only way I could escape my actual waking nightmare. I was so goddamn scared all the time. I really just needed a friend, so I would lie and make up shit so other kids thought I was cool and would want to hang out with me or invite me over to their house so I didn't have to go home. I did this for a while until I got called out for it enough in grade school that my reputation became that of the boy who cried wolf. I felt like no one would believe anything I said. My parents' drug abuse would continue for a long time. I can remember one time, because of it, my dad got into an argument with my grandpa about our dogs. My grandpa said that we had too many wandering around on his property and that he needed to get them he needed to give them to other people or sell them. My dad decided to get back at him by taking my dogs out and shooting each one of them to death. Thankfully it didn't happen in front of me, but I could hear the gunshots and the cries from each of them. I still have a hard time hearing dogs whimper or any time they're in real pain and make that squeak cry sound. Because of that and a bunch of other things, my mother and father got divorced. They got into a big fight where he took a chair and slammed it into our closet door so hard that it punctured through the entire thing. I was standing in our hallway watching it happen in front of my face. I was just a kid. At the time, I thought leaving, I thought him leaving was going to solve all of my problems, but it didn't. I was just trading one active drug abuser for another and still having the same issues. During this time, my mother would binge drink and just leave for days while I was left with my siblings to take care of. I guess she thought a nine-year-old is mentally equipped enough to take care of other kids. This would cause issues between my siblings and I, as the dynamic would change from sibling to parent, and it really fucked up our perception of each other later in life. Due to all of this, I needed to have friends and feel wanted. One of them was an older kid who I always thought was weird and honestly pretty racist, but they seemed to want to be around me, so I figured that was great friend material. It didn't hurt that our moms were friends with each other, too. In addition to the weirdness and the racism, they were a pervert, and one day assaulted me and sexually abused me. That continued for years until we moved out of, sta- out of the state I grew up in and I wasn't forced to be around them anymore. The reason why we moved was because my father overdosed and died. It really fucked with my mom to the point where her brothers and sisters noticed and had an intervention for her. They helped us get out of there. The move did help us to a degree, but it also really fucked me and my siblings over in other ways. My mother would dive deeper into her own depression, neglect us, and then love bomb us. It really twisted us. 
We wanted her to love us more than she loved her drug of choice, but it took me years to realize that wouldn't happen. Eventually, she would start dating and found a guy who I guess just didn't realize that my mom had an issue with drinking. He thought my siblings and I would get mad at her because we were religious, but at that point in time, I was the furthest thing from religious. Eventually, it got so bad that one day, after my mom was binge drinking, I confronted her, and she tried to claw at me and hurt me with her nails. I was 17 by that time, and due to the abuse I had already experienced, I just ignored it. I wanted to hit her, but I couldn't bring myself to do it. Instead, I spat on her, left, and finally told my family members everything that was and had been going on. I was lucky. They took it seriously and separated my siblings and I away from her. But thanks to the love bobbing and the freedom that my siblings my siblings were used to by that point, and because of the neglect and everything they were able to get away with, the second oldest resented me for doing that to them. We ended up being separated as I was about to graduate high school and they were still in grade school slash junior high. That caused them a lot of issues and I eventually got into church because I was vulnerable. I felt that I needed community and I found it in there. I was looking for answers as to why I had to go through what I did and essentially used going on a mission for the church as a spiritual journey for two years. While I was on my mission trip, my mother went to rehab. She pretty much ignored everything she was taught the first time, but was able to fake it enough that she could convince her family members to get my siblings back. That sucked. I thought I'd finally gotten them out and was able to have them be protected without me being there. When I found out, I was stuck and had no way of getting back to them. I had to accept it and a lot of other things that were out of my control. I didn't really heal, but I just moved forward for a time. I had gone to therapy in my teens and really focused on working through my dad's death and abuse, which helped me frame how I should view my mother's shortcomings. I didn't tell the therapist what was happening because at the time I was still afraid of being taken away and hurting her for some reason. Sorry for going back and forth, but essentially I had gotten some help already and was able to use what I learned to stay sane while on my mission trip. While I was out there, my mother married her boyfriend and then he died. I'm told due to drinking too much alcohol or something. I don't think I'll ever get the real truth as to what happened. I knew 100% my mom was going to relapse, and my siblings were going to go through hell. At this point, I had a year left before I was going to get home, so for a whole year I had to try and push those thoughts out of my mind. I was also trying to teach myself that I was not responsible for them. I was not their parent. I hoped that when I got home, I could try to have a normal relationship with them and not have that dynamic that had plagued us. When I got home and initially was asked if I wanted to stay with the family that I lived with during my senior year, I declined. I felt like I needed to be in that house with my mother to protect my siblings and make sure nothing was happening. Unfortunately, I pretty much confirmed my fears within a month. I had a huge blowout with my mother and then my second oldest, and then the second oldest. They didn't want me to tell anyone because they didn't want to go back to the other family members who were stricter with their rules. That freaked me out, especially when I found out they had joined a gang and was doing every drug imaginable. That broke me. I felt Mm. that I had failed them, that I had caused them to go down that path because I separated us from each other, and from the life that they had before having to move away from our mother. It really fucked me up for a while. 
I moved out and was dating my now wife. I lived with my cousin for a bit and paid them rent. I eventually got roped into sales and left the state for a while to do that. While I was gone, I was able to reconcile with my sibling and was really excited because we'd had a good conversation that amounted to us both realizing we needed to just talk with each other and understand who we both are now as opposed to then. This would have been great, but I never got that chance. My third month into sales, I got the worst call of my life. My sibling had been on drugs and was playing Russian roulette. They shot themselves and they died. This was right before I was going to get married. I came home early from my job and I nearly snapped. I was blaming myself and others. Mm. I planned on finding the kids that brought the fucking gun into the house and I don't know, either kill them or beat them until they couldn't fucking move. I felt the same with my mom. She was to blame. I beat myself up because I should have been there. I should have done things differently and then it wouldn't have happened. Of course, I had those thoughts, but I knew I wasn't to blame. Even those kids weren't, or my mother. My sibling made their choices, and sadly, I had to accept those choices and the consequences. I miss my siblings so much, and I don't think I'll ever heal completely. Even just writing about it makes the wound feel like it was just done yesterday. I did get married and had two kids, and I get to give my boys the chance to live in a home that I never had. I get the chance to make them feel so loved and so wanted. Having kids has helped me in a way, because now I kind of live vicariously through them. I get to experience normalcy as an adult, which is great. I have a stable job, a wife, a family who loves and cares for me. I was able to reconcile with my other sibling, and we're on good terms. They're doing great and aren't in a shithole. They were able to get out. My mother would eventually go to prison where honestly it seems like the lesson she needed to learn has finally stuck with her. She seems like she's actually trying to not wallow in her own self-pity anymore or hurt others because she was hurt. I honestly have such a hard time writing about this. I've seen the opposite end of the spectrum, where trauma dumping like this causes people to go through shit. That, or it just seems like I'm throwing myself a pity party, because I've always viewed my mom that way. She would excuse her actions due to her own trauma. I'm sure it was awful, but then why do that to your kids? I don't know. As a parent now, I still have a hard time understanding why people do anything to that level of harm to their kids, or to not want them to be around. Long-ass story, I know. There's a ton I skipped over, but honestly, it felt really good writing this out and airing it. I just want to let you guys know that this show has really had a positive impact on people, and that's so awesome. Thank you guys for being so for being brave enough to open up about things that all my life I felt was something I had to keep private and could only talk to either a therapist or a spouse about. I don't know what my story is, but it's there and it happened. It shaped me into who I am today. And to be honest, I'm happy with who I am. And that's a weird thing to think about too, you know, because if none of that happened, I have no idea who or what I would be now. For better or for worse, I think a big part of acceptance is just acknowledging things happened that you can't change, and that's okay. You can control who you will be and be the master of your ship now. You get you get to decide where your life will go. That's all. Love you guys. Yeah, it's pretty... Uh, <laughs> just like a lot of blows. Yeah. A lot of just... Uh, yeah, the fact that you could take so many and still 
turn it around into a a positive thing and mm-hmm. have somewhat, you know, yeah, a positive outlook on passing it down to your kids is uh, that's where I I think that's where it kind of got me is um, obviously I don't <clears throat> I don't ever want to compare you know my trauma to someone else's trauma and i hope other people don't feel that they have they need to compare theirs to others as well mm-hmm. so i think we said this early on but <clears throat> again everybody has their own thing and their own um their own story and you can't you only have yours and you only have your your um your path and objectively from my standpoint that is like miles beyond what i went through so it's hard for me to comment on some of those things yeah however again the uh yeah being able to turn such negative energy in in your world into a positive thing i i commend that person for still being here and contributing if I think if I, I you didn't even tell me before this who this was this is, this is the first time I'm hearing it yeah so um I'm I'll be curious to see you know who wrote it in and I, I might want to reach out personally myself but yeah it's um yeah it's rough so I'm sorry that you had to go through that but um yeah I commend you for 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 turning it into what you have yeah yeah it was um so like he had originally written me the the email and he had referenced a couple of the things uh from the original email that I hadn't read yet because it had gone to the spam or whatever. And so then whenever and like the second message that he sent was um it had like this really great perspective on the uh dynamic of being an older like the oldest sibling, the oldest brother. Yeah. Um and was relating it to like some of this stuff with your brother and then when i read this story and it was just kind of like oh my it was just like and then this and then this and then this happened and like i just felt like it was all it was so like well told too that it's like i can just imagine all of this stuff happening and like not having parents to like lean on through that I think would be so hard especially like losing a sibling I have one sibling and I don't know what I will do uh I have to die first she can't die first (laughs) (laughs) um I just think that that's like so sad and it would be so hard and when he started talking about like having his kids now and getting to like give them the life that he didn't get to have. I know that like we've talked a little bit about that before um, about just trying to make sure that our kids feel like so safe Mm -hmm. and so secure in this house. Um, And that's like a hard thing sometimes whenever you have to try to break these like (laughs) examples that you were given, whether it's like big tempers or mean words or Mm -hmm. physical punishment, you know, like, there are a lot of things as parents we have to unlearn. Yeah. 
And I don't know. I just think that like him looking at it in this way of like, I can't do anything about, you know, what happened in my life. I can't change any of that. But like that has shaped me into this person that I, you know, I view from reading those emails. It's like, dude, you are like so empathetic and so kind and so like brave and vulnerable. And like, I read these stories where I think that it's totally, it would be totally expected for them to like harden you as a person. Yeah. So when these people write in and I'm like, in the same way that sometimes I would look at, at you and I've said to you so many times, like, I cannot believe that you turned out to be like such a soft, like gentle person mm-hmm. because you did not have a soft, gentle upbringing. Mm-hmm. And reading this guy's story, it's yeah. like, I mean, gosh. Yeah, I think, I mean, part of that is, I don't, hmm, that's a good question. Because I don't know if I've always been soft, like to the core. I do think there was some <clears throat> anger here or there or, I used to have some more sass. Now it's more like funny sass. And now it's not just like, you know, dickhead sass. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like uh, there definitely was a period where I wanted to prove myself, um, you know, st- to like authoritarian figures, whether that be, you know, teachers, counselors, professors, whatever. I wanted to be the right one. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But uh, out yeah, I don't know. That's kind of worn off, and um, I, yeah, I have my, you know, my anger issues, of course, and that's something I'm a cycle I'm trying to break as well. But yeah, overall, yeah, I do think I've settled into a very comfortable, soft inner core. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you um? Do you feel like when you were a kid ever, like because your mom also worked at night and I took that as what that meant when he said his mom to work, worked swing. I took that as like, I think that was like night shift or something. So like he wouldn't see her. I've heard of that. Like often. swing shift. Yeah. I, that, yeah. Um, But when he mentioned telling his mom about the stuff that would happen when she was at work and her being very like, don't tell anybody that don't yeah. tell CPS, you will get <laughs> taken away. Like, do you yeah. feel like, not that I can imagine your mom saying that, but like, do you feel like you ever talked to your mom when you were little about some of the things that Darren was doing that was like really hurting you? Like, or do you remember like why you didn't, if you didn't say anything to her? No, I mean, if I'm being honest, I don't. Just because, I mean, I was one, one, one and a half when, you know, Darren came along. Yeah. So the, it wasn't, it wasn't like anything new. It was just, uh, you know, he was always there to be that strict um, physical parent. Yeah. And so I don't think there was any. There was nothing for me to baseline to say, hey, he's doing this thing. It's like, well, of course, that's what you're used to. Um, but as far as having a conversation, you know, at least when I was younger, no, I, I don't recall. I'm sure maybe it's a possibility, but um, no, you just kind of that's that's the those are the rules that you are told and that you play by. Mm-hmm. And 
It's like, you know, that's, that's where I struggle sometimes with, with Oliver is <laughs> trying to understand that I'm on the other side of that table and saying, Hey, I've told you this. I know at least 20 times within the past three days. Why are you still, you know, but when I was a kid, I, I can vividly remember like, oh, I made that choice again. Why did I do it? I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Man, there was a good uh, Sir Ken Robinson. Uh, he has some great TED Talks. And it's usually about, um, you know, creative kids with you know ADHD or, you know, developmental, you know, uh, differences, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Uh, he he essentially in one of his talks he goes into the fact that you know i don't know is such an an awesome answer actually because it's it's filled with possibility essentially mm-hmm. i don't know that it doesn't always apply to everything <laughs> but um i don't i don't know man I, I would get in trouble for that kind of shit um i don't know i lost my train of thought now you'll have to rescue me okay um before I do, you have the smallest little fuzzy in your beard. Oh, you okay. just come mm-hmm. on over here. Yeah. Just boop. There it is. <laughs> Thank you. I don't even think I got it going. Oh, okay. I think it migrated up to here. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I know that Ollie does a lot of stuff right now that I'm like, bro, I literally just told you not to do that. Yeah. And it feels like it felt like there for a solid year and a half to two years if we told ollie to stop doing something it's like they couldn't help it they Mm -hmm. had to do it one Mm -hmm. more time and i'm like i felt like i was going crazy and i don't know if that's like a uh just a little kid thing if it's an if it's a potential adhd thing that's where i struggle is like where because i'm so used to some of the thing the patterns that ollie shows Mm -hmm. i am diagnosed with adhd so but I'm also like, I've always considered myself, you know, a normal kid. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> I don't know. Well, and like I <laughs> have never, I've, I've never been diagnosed with ADHD or anything like that. Um, but I know for me, I would not repeat behavior because I was very scared of my dad. Like my dad had like that big, scary voice that he was good at using. Um. And Ollie doesn't have that. Like Ollie has to push us so far for us to raise our voice like that. So I don't know if it's just a thing where, yeah, like they struggle to just like stop it, stop. (laughs) Or if they're just like constantly testing us because we aren't typically super loud parents. There's something going on there though, as far as I think if properly channeled, you know, again, going back to, I need to like po- post some of these videos or something now that I'm thinking about it. Cause when I was in college and these Sir Ken Robinson videos were first shown to me, I was like, these, this is, he's talking about me. <laughs> yeah. I've never heard someone talk so empathetically about someone like me. Mm-hmm. Told this story. I know I'm going to get a little sidetracked, but I don't care. And it was about this little girl. It, again, this is such a parallel to me. Uh, kindergarten first grade something like that the teachers were uh, like to their wits end this girl would not sit fucking still would not shut the fuck up same with me and so the school called 
the mom and said, you need to get this kid into see a doctor, psychiatrist, whatever. Again, exact same thing as me. <laughs> yeah. So I did. I went, I went very young to a psychiatrist and the, you know, mom and them on the other side of the window, me inside the room, uh, all the things. Anyway, uh, doctor sits down with this girl for like, you know, three, four minutes, talks to her and then says, mom, come with me. He puts on a radio, goes around uh, to the one way glass or whatever and says, I want you to just watch her for like just a, a few minutes here. And so they do. And then the girl just, you know, obviously immediately starts getting up. She starts dancing, walking around the room, moving, whatever. Said, see, your girl, your your daughter doesn't, she doesn't have any issues. She's a dancer. Yeah. And uh, I know this is an extreme case, but that girl, instead of being, you know, heavily medicated with A or B, she was treated with, you know, special programs. And she went on to be one of the world's most, I forget her name, but one of the world's most famous choreographers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, one of the most prolific Broadway, you know, choreographers. Yeah. And it's like, it, it's just a lesson of if, if you channel a kid's perceived issues mm-hmm. into positive outlets. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of things are, are possible. And so f- with Oliver, the latest thing is the, uh, the acting classes. Mm-hmm. And I'm really excited to see if there's this way of like, A, can you control your impulses because you're in front of a bunch of other people, there are uh, prompts I'm sure being given, and <clears throat> yeah. you know, lessons and rules and shit you have to follow. Will Ollie stand out? Like, well, I'm I'm very curious. I, I think Oliver is such a unique bird mm-hmm. and takes criticism hard, like I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see now that Oliver's getting a little older. I see more and more of my self at that age yeah you know well i think that's the thing that is really hard for parents or even just adults in general or i'm sure especially people that are not parents that don't have to deal with kids all the time but um it's hard to go outside of your like stressed out or tired or overstimulated adult brain to really just like take a deep breath and look at your kid And think like they're a little kid, you know, they're not meant to sit and be quiet and, you know, borderline. I don't even think kids are meant to listen to everything you say as an adult because they're little kids. They're figuring it out. And I think that like in the times when I don't feel crazy tired or overstimulated or whatever, if I can just like give Oliver the attention that they're asking for in that minute, it's typically like such a sweet thing they actually want. Like they just really want to tell me a story Mm -hmm. or they really want me to tell them a story about when I was a kid, because I think they're looking for ways to connect the way they act with me as Mm -hmm. a kid. And I, again, it's like, it's so hard, but I mean, even like Simon tonight, like I, was tired from being with the kids all day and I made myself dinner and I sat down to eat it and Simon immediately just wanted me to do this puzzle with him 
And he's literally just like, mom, play with me, play with me. And it's like, I know uh, those times (laughs) when you just feel so tired or so like, I just want to eat this meal while it's still hot. Yeah. But he doesn't get it. He doesn't care about whether he prefers a meal not to be hot. Mm -hmm. So for him, it's like, no, but like play with me, please. And it's like, I don't know. And I think that, you know, having access to, uh, to social media, media and the internet in the way that we do as parents, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to ignore, um, the ways that like we have all of these tools that our parents just didn't have, you know? So like I follow the pages that talk about kids that won't eat the meals that you cook or, you know, kids that have these big tantrums or whatever. And so many of the times it's like, they're just being little kids and they're trying to communicate. And the only way that they can like figure out how to do it right then. But we are so like, what do you want? Yeah. Like we just want them to be adults and just like, (laughs) tell me what the hell you want. And they're like, I don't fucking know what I want. Like I just, you know, my stomach hurts. I think maybe I want a snack or maybe I need to poop or I don't know. I don't know, you know, but I don't. So again, like bringing it all back to, this story and this guy it's like i can imagine that he looks at the ways that he's parenting his kids now and the life that they get to have that he didn't and it's like sometimes your trauma also can be like a like a gift you know because you can take what happened to you and make sure that you don't do that to your kids do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, no, I don't. it's like the shittiest, but also the best tool you could have yeah. to really give your kids the best life going forward. Yeah. Because when you know better, you do better, hopefully, yeah. you know? And I think for our generation having all of these tools in our belt, whether it's from our own trauma that we're trying to break or social media and access to the internet, it's like, it is very easy for all of us to know better and then do better. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. There were just a lot of, uh, like I really felt like when he talked about um, like his mom basically like comparing what she would do with them with her own trauma, like, like mm. she was traumatized too. So like, uh, just like continuing a cycle. Yeah, yeah. And what, for him, he was like, yeah, I'm sure that was awful. But like, why would you do that to your kids? Yeah. Um, it's like a fairness. I had to go through it. You had to. You, yeah. It's a fairness thing. Yeah. And it's like, that's a very weird thing to me. But I think that's like also a mm. not. It's not a new thing, you know. Yeah. And thankfully, I feel like with my parents, um, a lot of the things that they experienced, they they didn't do yeah um with us they were really good about breaking a lot of those things Mm -hmm. um but i think there are some things that carried over you know because i think that's i think there's always going to be yeah i think i think the the point is to shed as many of those as possible yeah i don't think the goal is perfection i think the goal is progress right you know Mm -hmm. because we're going to i'm going to have shit that i again we just talked about it that you know, I got from Darren or my mom or my dad that, you know, maybe it wasn't intended 
you know, it's just a byproduct of the environment you're raised in. Yeah. And part of, <clears throat> excuse me, part of this and growing up is learning, figuring out what that is, mm -hmm. the nuance of, oh, sometimes it even is like, oh, I like that. I just don't like the way to do, you know, mm -hmm. it's very nuanced. When I thought it was interesting too, um, but not something that we haven't talked about, where this this guy was talking about how he was left to take care of his siblings a lot. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like put on him as the oldest to just, you know, take care of everyone even when he was like nine years old, which is how old Oliver is. And it's That's like, wild. I can't imagine leaving these kids with Oliver for longer than it takes for us to record yeah. these podcasts and we can hear them. So we know what's going on up there. Well, they're usually just freshly asleep. Yeah. So, so yeah. <laughs> we try to, you know, do the right thing there. But, um, but I was, it made me think about that idea that we can have like, you know, as siblings, we have the same parents, but we don't have the same parents. Like they do not parent. Yes. Us in the same way that they parented our other siblings. Yeah. And I think that it's like a totally normal thing that the oldest will get put with some responsibility that the yeah. others don't. And I think especially like for us, there are a lot of times I feel really guilty that Oliver is five and a half years older than mm -hmm. Arlo. That's yeah. Kind of. And then Arlo and Simon are so close in age. They're like just a couple years apart, just yeah. barely a couple years apart. And so I feel like Oliver is going to have this very different experience with us, yes. not only because we were younger, we were in our 20s when we had him and in our 30s when we had the others, yeah. um, but also like the amount of change and like growth that we've had, even just like personally and in yeah. our marriage from 24 to now, Yeah, there's a part of me that feels like Ollie got the short end, man. Like, because we were just trying to figure out how to be good parents. Yeah. And I know that there are things Rel that maybe relative to the other two, but overall. Yeah. Overall, uh, Ollie has always had a very, like, yeah, I think blessed you, I think life for sure. <laughs> but, like, no, I was thinking, I have to get it out of my head or I'm going to keep thinking about it. Uh, same author, different books as yeah. far as our kids. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, your first novel is. You know, maybe you're figuring out being an author and the chap maybe chapters are too long or yeah. you cut some too short, whatever. But you still, at the end of the the day, you have a series of books that you still yeah. cherish altogether. So explaining that there are different storylines and, you know, you read them at different times. Yeah. But you're all still, still my, still my Harry Potter books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just think like sometimes I feel really guilty because I know that even like yeah. me, like the versions of me that Ollie has yeah. seen, like I feel like I was a lot more fun and energetic when I had first had Ollie and he was like the only one we had for, you know, a long period of time. And I was just thinking about that the other night, like when the two littles were like snuggled up on me and I'm like. And Oliver, this was last night, uh, we all fell asleep on the couch while you were down here. And typically, like, Ollie would not be up on the couch with us because it's just, there's not enough room. Uh, but Ollie slid up there, too. And uh, I had, like, the two littles here. And then Ollie, like, grabbed onto this arm. Mm -hmm. And so it was, like, my 
Arlo was on that arm, but then Ollie was like holding it. Yeah. And I just had this moment of like, this is still like our baby. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Ollie is nine and super smart and super independent, but like sometimes he still just like really wants the attention that I think we were able to give them for a really long time. Yeah, right. And sometimes I just feel like really guilty, but especially for the last couple of years, like since we've had other babies and Arlo changed me so much Mm -hmm. mentally after I had him and like not for the better. Like I (laughs) got anxious and weird for (laughs) a long time. Um, And I feel like I'm finally like coming out of that, but I, I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like Ollie deserved more from me the last couple of years and I just didn't have it to give. And now I'm, it's like Ollie's almost 10, you know, like they're on their way to not needing us or maybe even wanting us in those ways anymore. Um, And I don't know. So I just, I think, yeah, I I know it like just hit me last night. I just felt really bad because I just remember how special it was when it was just, yeah the two of us like just him and i are yeah and now it's like i just don't get to have that time with with them very often anymore but you know if you want to flip side it ollie did get to have that special time in the very beginning with us without without other babies for five plus years got the sole attention simon doesn't get that arlo doesn't get that so yes Again, different books. Like there are there are going to be some things that are in one book that are not in the others. And, you know, I do. Yes, there's no way to truly balance that out. If you're trying to like, quote unquote, be fair with who gets what. And it's just not. And I've had those conversations with Oliver already of. of you are the firstborn. And with that comes certain responsibilities that, you know, your little brothers won't have. And same thing, or I guess the inverse is when you grow up and you leave this house, there will be things that your brothers have to deal with that you don't, you know? So like you will never have to be in this house alone. Simon will, will. Simon will have what two years probably if if you know Arlo decides to to peel out uh, right at eighteen. Simon will have two years of being a an only kid in the house, and none of the other kids will have to experience that. So, yeah, it's not quote unquote fair, but you do your best to like. I don't know. I was having that responsibility talk with Oliver. Have we talked about that on here yet? The, my little responsibility. I don't know. Yeah. I forget where I was hearing it, but I liked it. So it stuck, but it was essentially this concept of, you know, what is personal responsibility? And they broke it down into, you know, well, there's your response. How can you, how can you act or react to a situation? And how can you resp- respond? 
And, and what is your ability? Like, how capable are you of doing that? So what is my, quite literally, what is my response ability? And, um, you know, the, the baby analogy is if a baby gets dropped on my porch at 2 a.m., no, it's not my fault that the baby is there. But morally, it is my responsibility to do something about it. I'm not just going to leave the baby there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I know that was a little sidetrack, but to to bring it back to Oliver, as a big brother, there are there are going to be things that you may not see as fair, but it's going to be your responsibility. And part of or like one of those things is making sure that you are a good shepherd for your brothers. You are the, you are the example that they look to, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's your responsibility Yeah. to, to be there for them basically. Yeah. Um, I want to actually <laughs> read um, the other email that this same person wrote in. Um, Cause I thought it was like oh, an interesting okay. perspective on, being an older brother specifically. And since we're talking about that now, um, he said, I don't know Logan's brother. So I can only speak from my perspective, but for me, I had a hard time connecting to my siblings because of the responsibility put onto me to essentially be their dad and always being an example for a long time. It made it really hard for me to just be their brother and do the sibling shit. Plus, my idea of how to be a dad was really fucked, and I was constantly scrutinized for failing. So anytime my siblings would do things and show it to me, I thought I was helping them by pushing them to do better or by showing them where they messed up. I realize now how wrong I was and have since made complete amends with one of my siblings, but never got the chance with the other. Um. I don't know y'all's situation, but it might be more complex than him not being interested. Could be a mix of feelings um, of not hatred towards you, but maybe feeling like they sacrificed their childhood in some ways <clears throat> and doesn't realize that he gets to have the fun part of having siblings again. Mm. Um, which I thought was really interesting because not necessarily that you guys had... Um, the same dynamic as sure. this guy had. Yeah, absolutely. Not to compare. Uh, yeah. But you definitely did not have um, a great example of a dad in your stepdad with Darren. Yeah. And then your relationship with your real dad uh, was just so like. Uh, spread right. out. Yeah. And, like yeah. you just didn't get it very often. Um, and so I wondered if you had, if you feel like maybe there could have been any of that with you and your brother where like when you were in the house together at your mom's, if you ever felt like maybe he had those feelings where he needed to like be a better example or take care of you or, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he probably felt like he needed to take care of me because that's essentially you know, anytime we would spend time together was, um, you know, he was watching me, you know, because my dad was, you know, at work, um, or, you know, I guess same thing at mom's when mom would go into work and, you know, Darren would go off, do his thing. 
yeah, there were there were lots of times where it was just me and him, and then you know Stormy as well. But Stormy spent a lot of time, you know, playing with her toys and watching her shit. And um, I just feel like a lot of times when you've talked to me about um your life at your mom's <laughs> with Darren, um, I don't feel like I've heard a lot of like your sibling dynamic outside of like your brother being kind of a turd to you sometimes. Um, so I, I just didn't know. I would play tag along for sure. And I think he, you know, I think my mom, you know, made him let me tag along. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we did do a lot of things together there for, you know, a handful of years at least. And, you know, we'd ride dirt bikes and cut trails in the woods play basketball in the concrete area um you know occasionally shoot bb gun you know mm-hmm. play music together i don't want to ever make it out like we were some it was it was terrible all the time because it right. really wasn't it's yeah. just you know wasn't perfect so you have yeah. some grievances but um when i think your hardest thing now like with your brother was is just wanting like a closer relationship. Yeah, I think what it is for me, the one of the biggest things, and and I think we're getting there, hopefully. Um, it's for the longest time, you know. I I mentioned previously that we couldn't have been really more like opposite. Um, besides like like grades and like try you know dedication to like almost like perfection and whatnot. That I think we share very similarly. But as far as interests and, you know, that kind of shit, completely opposite. Um, but I feel like for him, there was always this sense of I was the dumb, chubby, artsy, you know, cheesy younger brother. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, I could not shake the fact that I was just this uncool sack of (laughs) like, that's the way I felt for sure. And then like, I have this cool older brother Mm -hmm. and I wanted so bad just to be cool be just like, just let me, just let me hang out with you. Don't, it's kind of (laughs) like, I want you to want to do the dishes. I don't want, (laughs) I want you to want to hang out with me, dude. I don't want you just like mom made you hang out with me. I feel that. Right. Um, but yeah, I even remember, uh, that's why I kind of, I think I have part of the, the complex that we talked about previously of, you know, wanting to show off to my brother mm-hmm. and then elicit some, you know, response that if I really think, even if I get it, I'm going to be like, it'll sound like some tiny little firework in my head and then it's gone. You know what I mean? It's like, that's what I wanted. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's like, I'm such a dumb creature that way. Um, but I, yeah, I remember it, it, I mean, still now, but even when I got to high school, like that, I feel like once, once I got to high school, college, that's where it really set in of like, come on, man. Like you can't even <laughs> not see like, like I'm not a kid anymore. Like I know things. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I have talent. Like, can you see that I'm not just this tag along anymore? Yeah. And I think I fought that so hard for so long. 
do you uh what do you think about the part where he said that um he would often like point to things that they needed to fix or whatever because he truly thought he was like helping them like do you think there's any part of that that could be why your brother does what he does sometimes where he's like what's that and i and i ask because like i think that your dad for example um i think that y'all have such a like i'm gonna tease or i'm gonna poke or your dad is so like your dad does that like thing you know (laughs) yeah um and so like i can imagine maybe it's a tendency to just like i have to get the rib out of the way first before before i can show any type of praise or affection because i mean like i'm sure that whenever you would show things to your mom your mom would do the mom thing where it's like oh my gosh that's great but like do you feel like you have do you feel like your brother had an example of a male where you would show them something and they would immediately be like, dude, that's sick. Or like, would the example be kind of like poking fun at it or pointing out something? Cause like, I will be super honest. Um, every interaction that I had with Darren was not good. <laughs> like I never one time thought, Oh, this dude's funny or cool or nice mm, or yeah. charming or anything, but just like mean. No, I think, you know, which is, I I hope we get m- more into it as we get older and get more comfortable with these kind of talks, uh, talking about me and my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I know he had a, a very strained relationship with Darren as well. You mm-hmm. know, I don't think the fact that Darren was a piece of shit to me was a fluke or like a one off. Yeah wasn't exclusive to you no no, <laughs> yeah. no, no. I, I wasn't the only one who got hit with that stick um and i'm not going to you know that's my brother's story to ever tell if he wants right. to, so i won't do that but um yeah I, I know it wasn't rainbows for sure yeah so i don't know just trying to like offer offer some yeah no i definitely i, I appreciate the insight from the brother's perspective the thing that you know stuck out to me was the decision you know there was the point to go live with the family from the previous year correct Mm -hmm. yeah but then declining that and deciding to stay back home to like i can only imagine how like unfair that probably felt yeah that would have been devastating like oh i don't want to go back there but like yeah i can't and then to go back Mm -hmm. and and know that you're going to be a approached by your siblings in a way of like I don't even want you to save us you know like because the siblings were reaping the the benefits of having a mom that let them do whatever they want to do and when you are a kid that has been able to do that up to that point I'm sure that like that would feel like a big loss of freedom so for him to be like I got in this big fight with my mom and then also with my sibling because yeah. They didn't want to go live with the stricter family, even though I knew that was a safer space for them. Mm-hmm. They didn't want the safer space. They wanted the freedom to do what yeah. they wanted to do. Um, I remember. Really so hard. when, when Jeff moved to go live with my dad, like as his main residence, because mm-hmm. again, I think we mentioned before that for the longest time growing up, my pattern was, you know, every other weekend 
<clears throat> essentially with my dad. So hours wise, that totaled up to what, five days, maybe six days in a whole month when you tr count travel time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so again, very abbreviated, spread out. Um, and, you know, what, 45 to an hour away. So when you're a kid, that's, that's you know, states away. Yeah, it's like, oh, my God, I'm going to be in the car all day. Yeah. <laughs> and my brother, when he hit seventh grade, I think it was seventh grade. Yeah. Decided to go live with my dad and switch schools. And um, I remember, I can't remember how much we talked about, like, the abandonment on this part. But I remember we, that's one talk that we have had is that's the biggest thing that I felt with him was not just with the Darren stuff too. I, I want to like try to distinguish that as it wasn't like I looked to my brothers, just this protector. Cause I mean, obviously like there's nothing he could do. It mm -hmm. was just, it was more of a comfort thing. Yeah. And so that's where I felt abandoned is like, you don't, you didn't even know what just having you in the room did for me. Yeah. And so I can remember like several nights, like where my bedtime was, you know, eight o'clock or whatever, or seven thirty. And occasionally he would where I'd beg him, like, please just come to bed with me. Because mm -hmm. I just need someone to like go to sleep with. And I see that with our kids, you know, now too. And I, I try to encourage, not force, please just go back there, you know. Yeah. They'll fall asleep and come back out. I'll give 15 extra minutes or whatever. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just, there was something comforting about having someone older than me to like lean on who was also like in between the parents. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm mm -hmm. sure you probably got that a little bit with your sister of like, you're the manager before the the CEO or mm -hmm. whatever. Like, yeah, we can work shit out before it gets to the parents. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It, it, uh, that's where I've always felt the, I'm curious how much my brother was aware of, um, just how much the comfort of just being around him. Right. Gave me, you know, it's like, uh, cause even though he was mean to me, <laughs> yeah, you know, a lot. Yeah. At times, uh, he was he was nice to me at times too. I don't want to make him out to be this evil villain. Um, I I would wager a guess that we fell into the category, maybe on the higher end, of normal. <laughs> you know, like brothers razzing each other and having their brother problems. I just think we didn't. I think maybe given a different scenario. We could have, I think we could have made things work a little differently for sure. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, I, I, I think in ta in doing all this, yeah, I think talking to him will will get through some of the stuff and in talking through his trauma as well. Yeah. Um, especially when it comes, you know, it was related to Darren or. Uh, the the concept of being in a multi-divorce home or whatever it is, his issues. Or again, maybe even the issues of 
feeling like some sort of caregiver to me or responsible for my security and comfort and been been and maybe he's feeling well then who do i get you know if i'm the older one that's not fair like, yeah i have to be a comfort to this little piece of shit most of the time <laughs> you know that i'm gonna <laughs> build resentment towards yeah. but i don't get anybody yeah so i i i do get that yeah and it's not black and white for me and i think that's part of the reason that I decided to reach back out after our, how long was that? Uh, it was like two full years. Two years? Yeah. Yeah. Two year break of saying, please don't talk to me. Yeah. Which really fucking sucked. Yeah. Because I didn't, I really didn't want to do that. And what made part of actually, I remember just looking in the mirror, getting ready one day and just seeing all the gray hairs that are starting to pop in. And be like, fuck me. I have, I can't, I can't let a whole lifetime go by. And then for what? I just said the other day, I have a hard time holding grudge. You know, it's like, yeah. like I, let, I'm just going to try again. I'm going to try again. And I'm going to try again. And, yeah, you know, I, luckily this time it seems to be going well. You know, I told you about that three way. Mm-hmm. text i got going on and it's nice so far so yeah um i think it would be really like powerful for you to sit down with your brother and someday. have and have a conversation about your childhood uh almost in a way of like hey can we get to know each other again because like on the topic of having the same parents but not having the same parents or having same author, different book is like, you know, even with me and my sister, like she has told me some things in the last couple of years that I wasn't aware of that caused her to have a very different experience than I did when it comes to like certain relationships. Right. And I think it's like, you know, up until then, I always imagined my childhood and hers being very similar. Mm-hmm. But in reality, they're not because my sister and I are very different. And my sister, for a long time, was dealing with being uh, like she absolutely has had OCD her whole life, but she was not medicated until she got into into college because nobody believed her. So it's yeah. like for her to live in her like anxious OCD brain for so long and we would like tease her. I would tease her relentlessly Mm -hmm. about things like that. And now it's like that must have made your childhood very different than mine and much harder. And that like maybe our home didn't feel like as safe of a space for you as it did for me because I didn't have to deal with that. Yeah. And so in the same way that like you and your brother are very different like your brother wasn't diagnosed with the things that you were diagnosed with. So even though like you both had the same stepdad that wasn't nice to either, either one of you, you also processed things really differently, Mm. you know? And so I think that like, if you two could sit down together and kind of work through those things or almost like, Hey, this is how I viewed you and like your life. (laughs) 
as a kid versus me and mine. Yeah. I think it could be this like whole way of just kind of getting to know each other again. Yeah. Um, to help better understand like why you're where you are now, yeah. you know, and why your brother believes certain things that he does and you are very opposite, you know, I don't know. I think it could be really, um, yeah, no, enlightening. I, hope, I hope for that. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, most of our talks and, you know, since, uh, beginning to talk again, um, have been kind of just intro level, just kind of getting back into, like you said, kind of knowing each other, feeling the waters out. Um, we've only had a few, but also catching up on, you know, what the nieces and nephews are up to, which is, uh, wild that the oldest is driving now. <laughs> I know. They're so fun. That, that That's part of also why I wanted to, I couldn't see them get older and not be a part of it. And then, see, you know, Oliver wanting to have a relationship with his cousins too. It's, I didn't want to be the reason. And so I, I felt a little bit of uh, responsibility mm-hmm. to um, give it the hard reset and do the, like, if we're going to give this a solid go and a solid try, let's do it all the way. Which starts with giving me my space. Yeah. Which I've never asked for before. And so I will this time. Mm-hmm. And we did. And I think it was a big reset. And it's paying off currently because as of this recording, we are now speaking to everyone we weren't. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. That's that's a win in my book. I mean, that's yeah. super progress. Yeah. And I don't think if it weren't for this show... We wouldn't be talking to my sister uh, as much right now. At least you wouldn't be. I wouldn't be talking to her probably at all. Yeah, I texted her, you know, a handful of times here and there. Um, but not like we have been lately. Yeah. And then that, of course, wouldn't have been a catalyst to have a three-way text with my other sibling. Right. You know, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased with where things are. And I'm very hopeful that you know, in spite of what we've kind of been through that we can, I don't know, find out what a new uh, adult working relationship is as far as, you know, being siblings across the country and having our own sizable families. You mm-hmm. know, my brother has three. I have three. Stormy's got a whole gaggle of dogs. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. How many she? I don't remember how many she has now. I actually think she's only got two dogs. Uh, and she just got that new puppy. Yeah. 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 She had another dog, but. Yeah. I'm sorry, Stormy. I know. It's really sad. Yeah. Um. Which, by the way, I'm. I'm really trying to um, embrace my time with Ezio right now. Yeah. Because he is I just feel I'm just feeling it. And I don't want, I d- listen, I don't want to literally put <laughs> this out there in the universe, but yeah, <clears throat> I think it's also important to like prepare yourself for things. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, Ezio is, uh, damn it, we were just doing the math on this. What, how old is he? 12 or 13, right? Yeah. Something like that. But, you know, it's getting real lumpy. Um, and I think if we're both being honest, he's kind of outlived where we initially may have thought so. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I remember talking about Gibby, just thinking about puppies and dogs. Um, I don't know. I'm really feeling them a little bit more lately. Just mm -hmm. knowing that, oh shit, I don't have a whole lot of time left. Yeah. To, to the point where on this new property that we have, I'm like, I'm scouting out where I'm going to put my graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a very somber thought. But I think, I don't know, I'll probably just put it over here where we normally go and right up kind of over that hill where you can kind of overlook the valley. Mm -hmm. That might be nice. Because I don't want to put it somewhere where I'm going to like have to see it every time I pull in the driveway or something, you know? Yeah. I'd rather have it somewhere where I can go visit, essentially. Walk over through the woods a little bit or something. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, final thought to bring it all back. Please um, do. Sorry, I took it off the no, rail. it's okay. Um, I think similar to how the guy that rode in, um, you know, was able to reconnect with the, with both of his siblings. And, you know, uh, even though he wasn't able to actually end up having the relationship that uh, he really wanted with his sibling that passed, um, there's always this opportunity if it feels like everyone is in the healthy space to do so. There's always an opportunity to start over with people. And I think similar to how he did with his siblings, similar to how you've done with yours, how I've done with people in your family. Like, I think if, if it feels like a safe space to have the conversations that you need to have in order to start fresh with somebody and like have a new respect for each other. Yeah. I think it's worth giving it a go. Right. I mean, yeah. and it's important to know when the ship has sailed and like not put yourself in a position where you can continue to get hurt, which to be transparent, you and I were not on agreement on whether or not it had, you know, for a while. And so figuring out where, like what that is, is like, there is no black and white. Yeah. And so it is, yeah, just feeling it out. And I don't know. I actually had somewhere I was going with that, but now I forget. Yeah. I'm a little spacey tonight. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I think it's important to be optimistic, but also, you know, protect your heart on things. Yeah. There are a lot of there are a lot of relationships that I would uh that I would love to mend, but I know that it's not the right move sure. for my heart. <clears throat> so I hope that if anybody listening feels like they have a relationship that they really want and you're in a healthy space to really explore that and the person that you want to have the relationship with is also in a healthy, a healthy space um, where you think they would be receptive to the conversation and you guys mm -hmm. could potentially move forward, mm -hmm. I would encourage you to do yeah. it. Sometimes hard conversations um, end in a not great place and yeah. sometimes they can be really great jumping off points for a new relationship which, which so. it at the same time and that with that sentiment it is also okay to not 
and to take absolutely a break because that is i mean that's the whole reason i now have an opportunity to move forward mm -hmm. because again to be transparent the the first time i had really sat down to say hey this is a big i'm gonna say this i it ended with me standing up and storming out and yeah. saying you know whatever i said and then that was the last time i talked to you for two years like that's how bad the first one went right but after after that and establishing our ground rules essentially and figuring out what that looked like with everybody involved mm -hmm. we were able to work through it yeah and i'd be curious i don't think yet but maybe in like five years ten years i would love to look back and ask everyone hey let's talk about that time because i'm curious how you look back on it. Yeah. Because I will have thoughts about how I look back on it. Right. And, you know, it, it was, uh, I don't know if it was a, yeah, it was a necessity, I guess. I think it absolutely you was know, a necessity. To, to reset the board, I guess. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because we were all playing different games. Mm-hmm. Man. What a, what a spot to end on. <laughs> Ooh. I bet you said, I bet that rolled out of your mouth and you were like, delicious. Yeah. Sometimes I do think, oh, yeah. You know what? I know I always speak in analogies, but sometimes I actually get them pretty, sometimes they pretty hit. good. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> right on. Okay. Well, well yeah. Well, yeah. What was I going to say? The uh, shit. I'm sorry. I interrupted your thing. Well, I was going to end the show. So if you if you got something else in the tank, by all means, toss nah, her out. I don't. I'll just go <laughs> back. I'm going to cut it and you can take it. In. Okay. Um, well, cool. I think that's a good spot to end it. So Nailed it. Um, <laughs> um, if you haven't joined the Facebook group, we'd love to see you in there. Um, if you have a story you would like to write in, um, you can do that at mylife@brokenyouthclub.com. It's me answering those, and I will get back to you. So if you have written and did not get a response, please send it again because yeah. it must have gotten sent to the spam for whatever reason. I didn't do it. So write in if you would like to. Uh, if you would prefer to call in because you don't like writing, that's <laughs> totally fine too. Yeah, you can call uh, 509-850-0674. Um, and you can leave up to a three minute voice message and Kate and I will just listen to those and mm -hmm. we'll talk about them. Mm -hmm. And we, um, just again, asterisk, we, we won't call back. We won't answer. It's just a, uh, just a message line to know yeah. that someone's listening. To be fair. Also, um, I don't answer phone calls that, um, are not in my phone because I, anxiety. I, yeah. So. I, I rarely answer any phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's Duck. literally two or Duck three people. Me. <laughs> that I will answer right away. So yes. I don't know. Some, some I don't know if that's a millennial thing or if it's some like true anxiety. Oh, dude, like, I don't know. Y'all burned us out on this whole <laughs> phone call thing. So yeah. Let's go back to like the the writing calling card things. Yeah. Or pagers. Or you can leave us a voicemail and just know <laughs> yeah. that we don't. We know we don't have to answer the phone, and you know we'll still listen to you. So <laughs> send that in, and uh, yeah. Thank you so much for being here. We're so happy that you are here. Um, we care a lot that you're here. Uh, and yeah, we'll see you next week. See you later. Okay, love you. Bye.